Welcome to the Graceway Bible Church Podcast, a place to be immersed in teachings from God's Word. We hope you will be blessed by the Word of God as we discover together what our Heavenly Father wants us to understand. If you would like more information about our church, how to know Jesus as your Savior, or teachings from the Bible, visit our website, www.gracewaybc.org. Join us now as we dive into God's Word. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, we come before you as, uh, as people who just need you. Uh, we just need more than what we have in life, and we know that you're the answer, but Lord, sometimes we forget that, and so each week we take time and open your word. We, we know that contained in your word is wisdom that we need, uh, practical things we could do in our lives, but mostly your word is designed to, for us to get to know you better so that we can love you more and serve you more. And, and so, Lord, today we're just attracted to your word and ask that as we open your word today, you would speak to us and teach us, lead us through it. In Jesus' name, amen. The Gospel of John does not contain any parables. What the, the Gospel of John has in it um, conversations, and we learn from those conversations. There's a conversation that we have with Nicodemus, there's the conversation that we have with um, the woman at the well, the woman caught in adultery. We have a, a long conversation that takes place in John chapter 6 that we're going to look at together. It's 50 verses. So um, I've got my iPad here, and I've got things all organized in, in the Scriptures, which I'll show you in just a minute on the screen. But I want you to see that we're going to go through these 50 verses and look at a conversation that Jesus has because these conversations teach us some valuable things about our lives, about God, and how we can serve Him. John chapter 6, starting in verse 22. Would you stand with me as we read the first three verses, just as the introduction that gets us into the story. Notice it says, on the next day, now the next day is the day after the feeding of the 5,000, and then at night they had the walking on the water of Jesus and the storm and so on. But the next day, the crowd that had remained on the other side of the sea saw that there had been only one boat there and that Jesus had not entered the boat with his disciples, but that his disciples had gone away alone. And they're wondering, where is Jesus? Of course, he took the shortcut, walking on the water, and they didn't, couldn't figure out where he went. Other boats from Tiberias came near the place where they had eaten the bread after the Lord had given thanks. So when the crowd saw that Jesus was not there, nor his disciples, they themselves got into the boats and went to Capernaum seeking Jesus. You may be seated. Seeking Jesus. Now, uh, we're going to see several responses here that we make toward Jesus, and there are some people that are seekers. They're seeking Jesus. There are some churches that kind of design their whole programs around seekers, seeker-sensitive churches. I, I think that uh, there can be some value to that. I'm not saying it's not good. I just think that there has to be a way for people to get depth because once they are attracted to a church by being seekers, they, they must come in and understand what it means to be disciples, and that's what Jesus is going to talk about today. He's going to help us understand what it really means to be a disciple. So these are the guys who are seeking Jesus, and, and uh, as people come to the Lord, as they start thinking about the Lord, people have questions. And so if you look in verse 25, it says, when they found him on the other side of the sea, they said to him, Rabbi, when did you come here? So they've just got questions about Jesus. Now, Jesus is not going to answer their question. Jesus is going to answer a different question. 
he says to them, Jesus answered them, truly, truly, I say to you, you are seeking me not because you saw signs, but because you ate your fill of the loaves. In other words, your bellies are full. Instead of seeking the signs. The signs are the signposts pointing toward Jesus, that he is the one that's going to radically change your life. Instead of looking at, at the Messiah, the Christ, it's trying to, trying to understand who Jesus is, you're just after having your bellies full. I, we look at that and we go, wow, that's pretty hard. I think there's some counselors that are just listeners. There's nothing wrong with that. There's some counselors, you go in to, and you talk to them and you say, hey, I'm having a problem with this. Oh, tell me about it. And you tell them a little bit. And they say, oh, tell me more. And, and uh, so there are some counselors that are just listeners. And some of us need just someone to listen to us and we can kind of talk ourselves through to we know what the solution is. There are other kind of counselors that say, when you say to them, let me tell you about my problem, they say, let me tell you what your real problem is. <laughs> let's not talk about your husband. Let's talk about you. And so that's what's going on here. Jesus is saying, let's talk about the real issue that's going on here. I want you to draw attention to the real thing that's going on. When someone goes to that kind of a counselor, then they come to the pastor and they say, oh, that person was not very compassionate. They, they, were, um, they didn't listen to me. But I think sometimes we need that kind of approach, and that's what Jesus is doing right here. He's going to tell them, well, let me tell you what's really going on here. And he says then, do not work for the food that perishes, but for the food that endures to eternal life. This is a key verse. If you're marking the verses in your Bible, uh, this would be a key verse, verse 27, which says, do not work for the food that perishes, but for the food that endures to eternal life. And the word life there is the word zoe, not the word bios, not the word suke. It's the word zoe used 98 times in the book of John because John's whole purpose is to help us understand life, and this is eternal life. Now, he's going to draw a distinction between the, the earthly things, the things that we enjoy physically, like bread, to the spiritual things that nourish our soul on a spiritual level. Because Jesus knows that in order for these people to get it, they must move past, I want Jesus just for the things he's going to do for me, to I want Jesus because he is the Lord of my life. They need to move to that spiritual component. It's really interesting as, as people come, start coming close to the Lord, and they say, wow, this is different. Uh, I'm realizing the life is more than just climbing the ladder of success or raising a family or having a house and a car and, and two kids and a dog and whatever. There's something more to life. It's the spiritual dimension. That's what Jesus is drawing attention to in the passage. He says, do not work for the food that it perishes, but for the food that endures to eternal life, which the Son of Man will give to you. For on him God the Father has set his seal. The next slide shows you what's, what I'm looking at in my iPad. You can't read that, but I just want you, I, what I went through and I color-coded all of the passage so that I could see. Now, all of the blue on these, there's actually three pages here, but we're not going to, don't have slides for all those, but on my iPad, I have three pages, and all the blue represents God and the Father and what He does. Then there's Jesus doing His part, and then all of the orange represents our actions, what we do. We're seeking, we're uh, believing, as is mentioned here, and there's several other words we're going to see that are our response. What I want you to see today, and I think what Jesus wants us to see in this passage, is that salvation and coming to be a disciple involves all three parts. There's the Father who does the designing. He's the one who draws us to Him. There is the uh, Son who implements that, 
and who gathers them. He, he's, he dies on the cross, and he's the one gathering the people. And then we have a responsibility to respond to him. That's what we're going to see as we continue on. So it starts there. God the Father has set his seal. His seal, that is certification. So we can go to that next slide. We're back to the Scripture where it says that God the Father has set his seal. Then they said to him, and here's the next question. And you know, people, as we come to the Lord, we have questions. If you're here today and you're just coming to Jesus, that you're just getting to know what the, the church is about, it's really about Jesus, but if you're getting to know Jesus at the beginning here, then you're going to identify with some of these questions. He asks this question. They, they say to him, what must we do to be doing the works of God. You see, you got to think about these people. These are the, the people who are Jewish people who grew up with the law, and it's all about doing these works in order to accomplish the task of pleasing God is, is what could develop out of their law-based theology. There are even some churches today that focus in on works. You do these works, these works, and these works, and then you'll be pleasing to God. And there can be a temptation in our own mind that says, well, God is going to look at me and evaluate my works to see if I have enough credit to get into heaven. And Jesus is going to say, that is not how we should be thinking. I talked to a man this week, 39 years old. He was telling me his testimony. He's definitely a Christian. And he just got saved last year. And he's telling me his story, a, a dramatic story in his life. And uh, as he gets to this through the story, he's saying, and, and I've done a lot of bad things in my life, and now I'm focusing on the good, and I know that God's going to look at the bad and the good, and he's going to see that I, I'm really working on the good in my life. And I'm saying in my own mind, wow, that's like this. People, this guy, this young man who's a Christian is going to come to the realization that it's only about Jesus. That's what Jesus is going to say right now in the passage. So they're asking, what must we do to be doing the works of God, Jesus answered them, this is the work of God. So this is your answer. If you're wondering what work you need to do in order to earn your salvation, here is it. It is that you believe in him in whom he is sent. That's where salvation comes to, come from. We don't believe on our works. We believe in Jesus Christ and his work of salvation. And because of his work on salvation, our sins are covered, and we take on his righteousness, and we're able to experience this salvation. That is the essence of the gospel, and Jesus is trying to explain this to this people, that you believe in him whom he has sent. There's the he has sent again, the Father's part. So they said to him, then what sign do you do that we may see and believe you? What work do you perform? Our fathers ate the man in the wilderness, as it is written. He gave them bread from heaven to eat. Jesus then said to them, and I'm going to tell you what he said to them in just a moment, but see, they're having this, they're wondering, okay, all right. We want to understand what this is. What is it we need to do? I mean, what is a sign you're going to perform? And Jesus is going to say, okay, let's, let's go back to the beginning here. Let me explain the basics to you. And I think every once in a while, it's good for us to go back to the basics in our own Christian life, to remember where we are, because sometimes, even as Christians, we can get so used to the blessings that we come close to Jesus because of what he does for us, and he does a lot of things. But we really need to come to that realization that it's all about Jesus. Then we get to know Jesus as God, as he's going to describe himself here. As you get to know Jesus as God, it changes everything. It changes the way we live. It transforms our lives it brings us to that place uh, we have to make a decision. Are we going to partake and are we going to believe and allow God to completely transform our lives or are we going to stay where we are and just enjoy a lot of the blessings and benefits from hanging around Jesus? There are a lot of blessings from hanging around Jesus. The same thing's true in our world today. You're 
you're going to, if you hire Christians, then those Christians have the blessing of God, and they're likely to produce more blessing in your business. If you hang around the church, you're going to experience a lot of good things. But it's not about the results. It's about this personal relationship with Jesus that we must understand and appreciate. Let's go back to the basics. I love this story of Vince Lombardi, a famous football coach of the Green Bay Packers many years ago. They came off of a losing season, and they lost the championship game, and then they uh, as they get back together for the new season, the players are all thinking, okay, we're going to build from here and go forward. But Vince Lombardi, the coach, gets everybody together and he says, okay, everybody. And he picks up a ball and he says, this is a football. Now, as we're going back to the basics. And they started working on tackling and they started working on um, throwing and catching and positioning themselves well and all of these things. And they had a winning season that year. They ended up beating the, the Giants in 37 to 0 in that uh, final championship game Vince Lombardi went on to win many many championship games just an amazing coach but he got it right let's go back to the basics and i think sometimes we need to go back to the basics and Jesus is going to do this let's go there together i know you some of you've been christians for years but let's go back to the basics and ask ourselves some important questions about why are we here what are we doing and Jesus says to them in regards to their question he says Truly, truly, I say to you, it was not Moses who gave you the bread from heaven. Now, the words from heaven are going to be used several times, which are going to indicate Jesus is coming from heaven. We'll see that here, but here's one of them. But my Father gives you the true bread from heaven. And there's a difference between the bread and the true bread. And Jesus is going to draw a a distinction between our earthly lives and our spiritual lives here. We need to focus in on our spiritual lives, our spiritual health. What does God want to do in the midst of that? For the bread of God is he who comes down from heaven and gives life to the world. That is another one of your key verses. That's verse 33. For the bread of God is he who comes down from heaven and gives life, zoe, to the world. This is the answer to your question. This is what you need, everybody. You need to understand that this is the bread that God provides. It gives life to the whole world. And their response in verse 34 is, Sir, give us this bread always. We want it. If it gives life to the world, we want it. Jesus says, okay, okay. Um, but you've got to understand some more basics here. Let's see if you really want it. He says in verse 35, he said to them, I am the bread of life. He's going to say that down in verse 41. He's going to say that uh, uh, again in verse 48. He's going to say it in 51. It's pretty clear what Jesus is saying. Um, Over and over again, he's going to make this clear that he's the bread of life. In other words, Jesus Christ is the sustenance that we need. In the same way you eat food to stay alive, you need spiritual food, and Jesus Christ is what fills that for us and provides us with that spiritual blessing that we have in Christ. Jesus said to them, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes... Now, I, I underlined and, uh, uh, or highlighted in red these words. These are all responses that we make, you and I make. If you're here today and you haven't accepted Christ, we've already seen words like seeking and believing. Here's another word, come. Whoever comes to me shall not hunger, and whoever believes in me shall never thirst. But I said to you that you have seen me and you do not believe. All that the Father gives me, there's the Father's initiative again, will come to me. That means we need to come to him as well. That's our part. And whoever comes to me, I will never cast out. For I have come down from heaven, not to do my own will, but the will of him who sent me. So we've got the Father sending, we have Jesus coming down from heaven, and we have our response to believe. 
And you might think, wow, that's kind of interesting. We know this because we've already read this chapter. We've already accepted Jesus, many of us. We know that he came down from heaven. But he's talking to people, and he's saying to them, he's come down from heaven. He's the bread of life that came down from heaven. And, and you can imagine their thinking, what does it mean he came down from heaven? How, how, do, I, how do I translate it, that? What does it mean for us? Verse 39, and this is the will of him who sent me, that I should lose nothing of all that he has given, but raise it up on the last day. You see the words raise up on the last day there. Also in verse 40, you'll see it again in verse 44, and again in verse 54, raise up on the last day. Now, the last day is the day of the rapture, the day of the resurrection, that start this whole end time series of events that take place, but that's the last day. Raise, you, raise them up on the last day. But I want you to think, we call that eschatology. That's the, the study of last things. But I want you to think for a moment about your own personal eschatology. Personal eschatology is the day you're going to die. Each one of us are going to die unless Christ comes before then. And when we do, where are we going to be? And that's what Jesus is, is talking about. He, he say, when there's a last day when there's a resurrection for those who have taken of the bread, those who participated in that. This is an eternal decision that we make, has eternal consequences. He says, I raise him up on the last day, for this is the will of my Father, that everyone who looks, there's another word that we have in our response to God, looks on the Son and believes in him should have eternal life, and I will raise him up on the last day. There's this eternal benefit that we have by trusting Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior. Verse 41 says this, so the Jews grumbled about him because he said, I am the bread that came down from heaven. They're, go, they're grumbling. They don't understand this. Of course, Jesus, he knows what's going on in people's hearts. He knows that they're grumbling, and so he's going to respond to that. But they said, is, this, is not this Jesus, the son of Joseph, whose father and mother we know? How does he now say, I have come down from heaven? And this, of course, is another question that people ask as they're coming closer to Jesus. They're often saying, well, are you telling me Jesus was not just an ordinary man? Are you telling me that he wasn't just a moral person or a good teacher? He wasn't just an example, that he was something more than that? And when we recognize that Jesus is God, it changes everything. That's why they're asking the question. That's why they're not asking the question. That's why they're upset about this. They're trying to figure it out. Jesus answered them, do not grumble among yourselves. He knows what's going on as they grumble. No one can come to me unless the Father who sent me draws him. In the salvation process, here's what happens. The Father, God the Father, has elected some to come to Him, and He places something inside of their hearts to draw them to Himself so that they'll respond with these believe, come, behold, all these different words that are used here, and we have a response. That's the Father's job in all of this is to draw people. He's elected people, and he's, He draws them. Which leads us to questions like, what is predestination? What is foreknowledge? What does all this mean? How do I figure all this out? And uh, so if you have questions about that, I want you to come tonight. We're going to spend time talking about predestination tonight. Pastor Don is going to tell us everything we need to know about predestination, foreknowledge in 20 minutes. <laughs> that's tonight as he gets into First Peter because that's what First Peter chapter 1 starts with. So he's going to talk about that tonight. So come and hear more about this. At this point, I want you to see that the Father is drawing the people. And you wonder, well, I wonder if, one, if I'm one of the elect. Well, I want to tell you something. If you feel the Holy Spirit drawing you today to him and you respond to that belief, then you're confirming the fact that you are elected. 
that God has chosen you. There's a process going on here, and God has chosen, elected. He has, is drawing you, and if you respond to that, you're confirming what God has already done in our lives. Now, it's important because sometimes we say, choose Jesus as if it's our responsibility, and we need to know that even our ability to choose God comes from God himself. There's this grace that God provides for, saving grace that he gives to us so that we'll respond. Very interesting understanding of who God is and is complicated and rather challenging, I think, for some of these people, and that's what they are wrestling with too here as they go forward. And I will raise him up on the last day, verse 44. Verse 45, it is written in the prophets, and they all will all be taught by God. Don't miss this little uh, quote from the prophets, because even in the prophets it says they're going to be taught by God. Something's going to happen inside of them, and they'll respond. Everyone who has heard and learned from the Father comes to me. You see what's being taught here? That God does something in a person's heart, and then they turn because they're being drawn, and they respond with this comes to me or believing. Verse 46, not that anyone has seen the Father except he who is from God. He has seen the Father. And here's a key verse. 47 is another one of the key verses in this whole passage. Truly, truly, I say to you, this is about as simple as it can get, whoever believes has eternal life. That's what he's saying. Truly, truly, I say to you, whoever believes has eternal life. So today, if you haven't accepted Christ, you want to believe and you want to respond. You want to come. And it's not just about believing in your mind. It's about participating and saying, okay, I want this. And Jesus has to elaborate on this so we get it. And that's what he's going to talk about next. He says, I am the bread of life. Your fathers ate the manna in the wilderness and they died. This is the bread that comes down from heaven. He didn't start as a baby. He's not just, I know you think that he grew up in Nazareth, but he was far before that as Upton was singing. That Jesus started in eternity, and he came down from heaven. Wow, what a beautiful uh, picture here that we can see and understand. And it's, it's, it's really radical for them, and they're trying to figure it out. This is the bread that comes down from heaven so that one may eat of it and not die. I am the living bread that came from heaven. If anyone eats of the bread, he will live forever. And the bread that I will give for the life of the world is my flesh. There is this spiritual dynamic that's going on, and there's this physical um, illustration that he's using. There's this metaphor of bread that he's talking about spiritually. And so we're trying to uh, gather what God is saying on a spiritual level in our lives. He's saying there's something more to life. It's a spiritual relationship with me that the person who believes needs to also participate by taking me as their sustenance, as their life. It's a transforming experience that we give ourselves completely to the Lord. Verse 52, the Jews then disputing among themselves saying, how can this man give us his flesh to eat? So Jesus said to them, truly, truly, I say to you, unless you eat the flesh of the Son of Man and drink his blood, you have no life in you. Whoever feeds on my flesh and drinks my blood has eternal life, and I will raise him up on the last day. For my flesh is true food and my blood is true drink. Whoever feeds on my flesh and drinks my blood abides in me and I in him. Jesus is trying to communicate that there are two different things. There's physical bread and there's spiritual bread, but when you really understand the spiritual bread, you need to eat it. You need to participate and you need to take it on. 
I need to talk about this just for a moment because there's, uh, in the Catholic Church, they, they mess this up. I just got to say, I think this is, a, uh, there's a lot of good things in the Catholic Church. I'm not bashing the Catholic Church. I think there are Christians in the Catholic Church who've trusted Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior. But I think this one is a mistake because what has happened in the Catholic Church is they have taken this to say, well, we must actually partake of Jesus' body and blood. And so they have change or transform communion into this experience of, of eating Jesus' body and blood. They believe in a theological concept called transubstantiation, which means that the, when you take the, the bread and the wine, that it actually, before you take it, turns into the body and blood of Christ. You're actually participating or taking that on. I think that whole idea misses the concept. First of all, this passage isn't talking about communion. Communion won't even come until at well after this. But I think the concept is being missed here. The idea that there is a, a spiritual transformation that takes place in our lives, it's about something we do spiritually, that we're spiritually partaking in this. Listen to the rest of the words here. He says, as the living Father sent me, I live because of the Father. So whoever feeds on me, he also will live because of me. It's not about eating, eating Christ's body here, cannibalism. It's about this sense of, of uh, participating in Christ, that he is my life. I'm going to trust him fully. I'm going to make him everything that I do. This is not an easy concept for some when they realize that it's not just about gaining some benefits and adding them on to our spiritual, to our lives. It's about spiritual transformation, and that's what he's trying to communicate to them. Verse 58, this is the bread that came down from heaven, not like the bread the fathers ate and died. Whoever feeds on this bread will live forever. Jesus said these things in the synagogues he taught in Capernaum. Well, let's look at the results because when you peel it back and you look at what salvation really is, then you have to make a choice in your life. You have to decide what you're going to do with that information. Is this something you're going to embrace and run with, or is this going to bother you so much that you're going to walk away? It says in verse 60, when many of his disciples heard it, they said, this is a hard saying. Who can listen to it? But Jesus, knowing in himself that his disciples were grumbling about this, said to them, do you take offense at this? Then what if you were to see the Son of Man ascending to where he was before? In other words, what if you had the proof of seeing Jesus in heaven himself? If you saw that, would you believe? Now, he uses the term disciples here, not as the 12. He's going to use the word 12 in just a moment. These are people who are followers. These are people who have kind of hung around Jesus for a while, his disciples, the ones who are learning from him. But now they're getting to the real crux of things, and will they, will they make the choice? Will they decide to follow Jesus completely in their lives? Do you take offense at this? Then what if you were to see the Son of Man ascending to where he was before? It is the Spirit who gives life. The flesh is no help at all. The words that I have spoken to you are spirit and life. But there are some of you who do not believe. For Jesus knew from the beginning who those were who did not believe and who it was who would betray him. Verse 65, and he said this, This is why I told you that no one can come to me unless it is granted him by the Father. Do you see the Father's role here? This makes us so grateful for the sovereignty of God, that when we respond to the Lord, it's just confirmation that He's chosen us and we're coming toward Him. We go, yes, thank you, Lord, for drawing me. No one can come to the Father 
And they're wrestling with this hard saying in their lives. They're wrestling with the hard sayings of Jesus. And, and Jesus is talking to them about something that's difficult to understand. I think this whole idea of sovereignty of God is a difficult thing to understand too. When you start, when you start understanding this, we take this by faith, we are welcomed into this, this special dynamic, a special relationship with God. We call it becoming a Christian or getting saved or being converted. You can call it whatever you want, but the idea is you're becoming a disciple of Jesus with some spiritual transformation that's taking place that's different from the earthly stuff we normally experience in our lives. Notice verse 66. It says, after this, many of his disciples turned back and no longer walked with him. Well, that statement, when they realized that they really had to make a decision, that this was about giving up my life the way it exists now, and I'm going to totally follow Jesus in my life. They said, I, I don't think so. I'm not going to do that. Wow. So, verse 61, Jesus said to the 12, now he's just going to talk to his disciples, and he says to them, do you want to go away as well? Do you want to go away as well, guys? Are you into this? I love Simon Peter's answer because this is my answer. This is your answer. This is what, when we really understand this concept, this is what we say. Simon Peter answered him, Lord, to whom shall we go? Where are we going to go? You have the words of eternal life, and we have believed and have come to know that you are the Holy One of God. And when you get to realize that Jesus is the Holy One of God, it changes everything. It changes everything about our lives because there's nowhere else to go. It's fascinating when a person in their life goes, you know, tries all these different things in their lives to get where they want to be. Some doing things that are bad, like getting involved in drugs and all kinds of illicit relationships, and, and they come, oh, I can't live this way anymore. And other people, they are on the path to success, and they, they continue on, and they're being very successful, and they say, this isn't what life's all about either. It's about a personal, spiritual relationship with God. Wow. That's what Peter says. That's what I think we need to say. Jesus answered them, Did I not choose you, the twelve, and yet one of you is a devil? He says. He spoke of Judas, the son of Simon Iscariot, for he, one of the twelve, was going to betray him. When I think about the challenge here, I think it's a pretty um, important question that we ask ourselves. I'm just going to ask you. I have to ask myself the same question. What would it take for you to walk away from Jesus? That's kind of a scary question. What would it take for you to walk away from Jesus? It's an important question because I see this happening. I see people, they come to church, they're here for a while, and then they stop coming to church. Now, church isn't the same as knowing Jesus, and sometimes people go to another church, and that's fine. Sometimes they leave our church because they were offended by something here because we have broken people here, and they go to another church, and they're going to find broken people over there, but we won't tell them that yet. But they're going to go there, and that's okay. You know, we go to different churches because for various reasons. That's okay. The point is, is your relationship with God intact? But there are some people who not just back out of church, they kind of walk away from the Lord. Why do they do that? Something happens in their lives where they start to say, this isn't worth it for me. And when you start saying, this isn't worth it for me, I think you're right here where Jesus is talking. He's saying, we tend to evaluate sometimes whether we want Jesus because he's doing something for us. He's our utility knife. He helps us solve problems. He's like the lucky charm of life. And Jesus is saying, you guys are coming to me because you have your bellies full. He's saying, you're not coming by the signposts, the signs that are posting, posting that I am the bread of life. And we need to come to that place regularly in our lives, especially when we're tempted to, to move away from the Lord, to ask ourselves the question, 
why am I here? Why am I doing this? And the answer is because I want to be totally committed to the Lord. He is the only way to experience the satisfaction, the fulfillment of a good meal. It's, it's the bread of Jesus Christ that provides it for us, and that's what we need. Every one of us needs that in our lives. And I trust that that will provoke you in your own heart to rethink the basics, to go back and say, you know, I'm not in this for just the answered prayers or the rewards or the friendships that I have. I'm in this because I need Jesus as my Savior in my life. I have a sin problem, and that sin problem creates a distance between my Heavenly Father, and I want to have a close relationship with my Heavenly Father. Therefore, He's drawing me. I'm going to choose Him. I'm going to respond to Him, and I'm going to experience then the life in Christ that God wants for me. That's why John included this long dialogue in this passage, to make sure we get it, make sure we understand that Jesus Christ is the Holy One of God, and we get that it changes everything. Would you stand with me and let's pray together? Heavenly Father, I, um, I thank you for the privilege that we have to know you, and I also thank you for a lot of the blessings and having full bellies, and, and those are great things that we experience. But Lord, right now we come before you and we want to thank you for who you are and what you've done in our hearts and lives. Thank you for drawing us to yourself, Lord. We want to respond to that and we want to embrace all of what you have for us and trust you no matter what path you take us on. We want to serve you wholeheartedly. Lord, I speak this dedication not just for me, but also for my brothers and sisters that are here. And all God's people said, Amen. Thank you for sharing in this message. We pray it will make a difference in your life. Please consider joining us for our Sunday morning and evening worship services. For location and more information, visit our website, www.gracewaybc.org, and listen next time to learn more. May the God of peace richly bless you through his Son, Jesus Christ.